NPR. This is the indicator for Planet Money. I'm Adrian Ma, joined by Waylon Wong and Darian Woods. And uh, what even is our episode about today, guys? This is the reason we get up in the morning, Adrian. It's our listener questions episode. Ah, yes. Yay! That is That's right. That's right. Jinx. Jinx. You owe me a Coke. <laughs> this is the uh, the episode where we take some of our listeners' burning questions and look for the answers. Today, we're looking at whether universities are banks, how 401k plans help Wall Street, and whether people with second jobs show up or not in our official jobs numbers. We have just one job, which is to answer your questions, and we'll do that right now, after the break. This message comes from NPR sponsor Arctic Wolf. Their researchers have released the Arctic Wolf Lab's 2024 threat report. Why will 2024 be a volatile year for cybersecurity? Learn more and get your copy now at arcticwolf.com NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Babson College. Discover Babson College's Master of Science and Management in Entrepreneurial Leadership Program, an intensive nine-month journey that equips recent college graduates with practical skills for today's dynamic business landscape. Tackle real-world challenges and emerge with a problem-solving mindset. Whether you choose to start your own business or innovate within a corporation, a master's from Babson will help launch your career forward. Apply today at babson.edu slash msleader. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. First up, Darian Woods, why don't you go? Yeah, so mine was a philosophical head scratcher. Uh, Here it is. My name is Josh Soroff, calling in from Toronto. My question for you is, are universities banks? Ooh, is it time for another episode of our favorite game show, Is This a Bank? <laughs> it is It is a crossover event of Is This a Bank and listener questions. <laughs> so welcome back to Is This a Bank? It's this game show where we describe what an institution does. We try to figure out if it's a bank. All right, we should probably lay down some ground rules, right, and talk about what is a bank according to our criteria. Yeah, so a bank is an institution that takes in deposits and then turns around and invests that into lending money to other people, ideally at a profit. Our contender this time is universities. Many universities hold a ton of money through endowments, which are then used to invest and feed back into the university. So we asked Tony DeSanctis, a senior director at Cornerstone Advisors, which is a company that consults for banks and credit unions. And we asked him, are universities banks? I don't really think that they're banks. Okay, question answered. Okay, done. <laughs> no, hold on. So Tony says, look, they're not a bank. They don't take in deposits, really, or lend that money back out. But a lot of them do things that are similar to a function of investment banks. They have these vast endowments, right, that enable them to do bank-like activities, right? They make investments. They are able to do things like venture capital and private equity if they choose to. 
And vast endowments is the right term. The National Association of College and University Business Officers finds that its surveyed institutions hold $807 billion in assets. And in fact, this endowment cash is, is a really important source of investment. You hear about venture capital raising a $3 billion crypto fund or a $3 billion AI fund. A lot of the times they're getting that money from the endowments and places like that. The pioneering venture capital firm Sequoia Capital took money from university endowments and foundations and made early investments in companies like Apple and Google. Until recently, endowments have had a legal advantage that has allowed them to take more risks than, say, pension funds. But while some universities invest and even partner with venture capitalists, there is one critical difference, and that's that the investment is not on behalf of other people. So... Universities are not a bank. All right. Well, thank you, Darian. And now on to our next question. Hi, this is Mike Sacconi from Silver Spring, Maryland. My question for the indicator is how do the automatic 401k contributions from tens of millions of Americans' paychecks affect or even prop up the stock market? Okay, I got this one. Uh, thanks for the question, Mike. Before we get into it, let us remind ourselves about what a 401k plan is. 401k plans are retirement plans offered by a lot of employers. They let employees funnel a portion of their paychecks into an investment account. And the main benefit here is that these accounts, they get to add money to them before taxes. And once that money is put into an account, often professional money managers will decide where to invest it. So according to the Investment Company Institute, about 70% of that money gets invested in the stock market. The rest of it goes into the bond market and other things. And the hope is over time, this money grows into a little retirement nest egg. It can pay for my uh, cruises to the Caribbean. Uh, yeah, I mean, in theory. <laughs> but you know what they say in those, uh, those fast-talking finance commercials? Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Okay, so according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, about half of private sector workers choose to participate in these kind of plans. Things like 401ks, or their nonprofit equivalents, 403Bs. And it's estimated that the money going into 401k plans last year was about $7 trillion, okay? And it's further estimated that about $5 trillion of that actually goes into equities. And if you do a little back-of-the-envelope math, that means these 401k investments equal roughly 10% of the stock market. Actually, smaller than I would have thought, but still a pretty sizable chunk. Well, you know, we did reach out to a couple of financial advisors, and their take was that this is a pretty important chunk of the stock market. Like, if all of that money decided tomorrow to just, like, you know what, we're going to pull it, that would be a big deal. Yeah, that would be a panic on Wall Street. The thing about 401ks is they do, in this sense, add stability to the stock market because the money gets invested in all kinds of sectors, and because people are investing with an eye towards retirement, that money stays in the market for a long time. Well, thank you very much, Adrian. And we are now on to our last question. Hi, my name is Curtis Shorkey from Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. My question is, do the monthly jobs reports numbers and unemployment numbers reflect Americans who work multiple jobs? This occurred to me while I was in my hometown for the holidays, and I noticed that many of my friends and family were working two or three jobs at a time. And I'm very excited to take this question because, as you know, we are obsessed with jobs numbers on this show. That's right. We cover the monthly jobs numbers every month on Jobs Friday. 
And as a reminder, the Bureau of Labor Statistics puts out this headline jobs report each month called the Current Employment Statistics, or CES. This is a survey of employers to measure how many folks are on their payrolls. Now, the survey doesn't include all kinds of jobs. We've covered on the show how farm workers are excluded, for example. But this report is what economists, policymakers, and us here at The Indicator use to gauge how many people are employed. And so to Curtis's question, if somebody has multiple jobs, is that in the jobs numbers? The answer is no slash it's complicated. So the CES survey, what we typically think of as the headline jobs report, does not capture whether someone has more than one job. A multiple job holder will actually show up on the payroll at each of their employers, meaning they will be counted multiple times. So that is like not great for precision. So it's the number of jobs, not the number of people with jobs. Exactly. So now here comes the it's complicated part. There's a whole other survey that does account for these multiple job holders. It's called the Current Population Survey, or CPS. That's a household survey rather than a payroll survey. And this is put out by the Bureau of Labor Statistics and the Census Bureau. These two reports together, the CES and the CPS, give a more complete picture of the labor market. If jobs numbers seem particularly high one month, you might check the household survey to see if more people are working multiple jobs. As we reported back in December, some economists believe that the number of people working more than one job might be underestimated even on that CPS household survey. And you might remember Curtis said this question popped into his head over the holidays when he was seeing friends and family work multiple jobs. And, you know, I think he has a point. More working adults are working more jobs right now. Multiple job holders represent 5.3% of working Americans. That's the highest it's been since before the pandemic. So it is the year of the hustle. If you have got econ questions, send us an email at indicator at npr.org. Include your name and number, please. That's indicator at npr.org. This episode was produced by Cooper Katz-McKim with engineering by Josh Newell. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez and edited by Patty Hirsch. The Indicator is a production of NPR. There are a lot of issues on voters' minds right now. Six big ones could help decide the election. Guns, reproductive rights, immigration, the economy, health care, and the wars overseas. On the Consider This podcast from NPR, we will unpack the debates on these issues and what's at stake. You can listen to NPR's Consider This wherever you get your podcasts. This message comes from NPR sponsor Greenlight. Want to teach your kids financial literacy? With Greenlight, kids and teens use a debit card of their own, while parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and savings in the app. Get your first month free at greenlight.com NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR.